Hey guys, it's Ben. Thank you for checking out this message. If you want to hear more messages from Catalyst Church, just search Catalyst Church of Carrollton on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We hope this message speaks to you, encourages you. We hope it builds your life. We hope it builds you. We are for you. The best is yet to come. And if you want to give or donate to what God's doing here at Catalyst Church, you can go to IamCatalyst.net slash donate. The best is yet to come. We love you guys.
I'll tell you, I pay attention to people. Call it a passion, call it a calling, an obsession. I don't care what you call it. It's probably a little bit of all of them. I pay attention to people. I want to know your heart. I want to know your motives. I listen to what you say, what you don't say, how much you say it, uh, who you want to impress, what you want to prove. I listen. I am hyper-focused on people. When I'm outside of any, I've learned that when I'm outside of what I'm responsible for, I'm hyper-oblivious. I learned I'm not a people watcher anymore. Walmart might be that I ain't going to shop me anymore. But when I'm responsible for you, when I'm inside the walls of my responsibility and around people that I care for and have care over, I focus. I want to know your motives. I want to know your heart. And I usually, you can't hide it from me for long because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to probe. I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you and you're either going to run you to see God's heart and God's motives. And Christmas puts all the cards on the table. All the cards on the table. Tell somebody right now, say, don't miss it. Say it like you mean it. Say, don't miss it. That's where we're going to start this series. That's my title today. I want to take it to Luke chapter 2. We're going to stay. We're going to probably spend a lot of time over the next three weeks for obvious reasons. And Luke Chapter 2, can we say this together? With, let's say it with energy. Let's say it like we want it. Like I don't care how sleepy you are, how happy or sad you are. Let's say this like we want God to add to our faith, our life, and add some love to it. So ready? Yep. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. To open God's word. Open God's word. And be open. And be open. By God's word. Wow. We're going to say it one more time. And at 3 o'clock when the rebroadcast comes on, you can type it in all caps online, fam. Say, I'm ready. Scripture never done since. 
We're taught that you got to bring out your best. We're taught a lot of us. We don't even realize it, and we and we teach our kids this unintentionally. If you bring out your best, you don't bring anything at all. You better come to the party and bring something. You don't come to the party if you bring this and bring something. You know what I mean, people? I say don't bring things for you that food. They come to like I'm just writing that way. Yeah, you work spiritually and practically. You better contribute. You better be a giver, not a taker. You gotta earn it, prove it. You gotta get to the top. You're either the best or you're nothing. We do it in church. While a lot of churches still say, all men go to redress and not, you're supposed to dress your best. You gotta dress a certain way, act a certain way. You better go to a certain party line. We got all these boxes and criteria, and, and we keep score. And church people keep score as much, I'd say, a lot, of, a lot of times more than anybody else. We got our rules, and we swear by them, we die by them, and we'll fight you for them. Over. We do. And they are unwritten rules. And I say that wholeheartedly because the more I study scripture, and I study it now more than I did when I was in seminary, is the more I realize it is unwritten. We act, we make stuff up, twist stuff up, we add stuff, we, we, we make small stuff big and big stuff small, and we make stuff that ain't there and there, and we make it appear, and we take it out of context, and we miss the entire point at West Church. Tell somebody right now, say don't miss it. He chose to invite shepherds. social outcasts, unreliable. Shepherds were not allowed to give testimony in law court. Say that with me. Say shepherds. He chose shepherds first. He revealed his purpose in himself, and probably the shepherds didn't even understand the principles of theology and the big picture of how long Israel had really waited and the theology of it all. They didn't even understand it, but he showed it to them first. They weren't scholars. They weren't preachers and theologians. They were shepherds. This is controversial. This is still controversial. We just got to desensitize to the story and don't see it for what it is in that time period. God showed himself first, not to seeking others, but to Jesus called himself a good The prophet Isaiah foretold about Jesus 700 years or so before Jesus uh, became a man, before God came in the form of Jesus that first Christmas. He said this about him. He said, Jesus would be a man that we would hide our face from. It wasn't talking about deity or deity. It was talking about he was the type of person you'd be named on. Matter of fact, that's, he was a shepherd. He was the type of person that when you're trying to get the interview and, and they ask you, you got any family around here? You wouldn't say, Jesus Christ is my family. You would hide your face. You see him in the store, you're trying to duck because you're with somebody you don't want them to see and you're trying to impress somebody next to you. He was a, they said that he, they said he didn't look like a rabbi and a king because he was ordinary. He was a shepherd. Paul 
Paul said this about Jesus. He said that he humbled himself and took the form of a slave, a servant. He became, he didn't just show himself first to shepherds, he became a See, God packages his glory in unlikely packages. Not plastic ones, not pretty ones. Paul taught the church at Corinth and taught all church people just like us. He said that God chose what the world considers weak to shame the strong. Jesus said, in my kingdom, the last will be first, the shepherds will be first. So when he
confident change. There's no reason I go looking for another tool. And, and, and he says, surely God, this is the one. And God speaks to Samuel and says, God, humans judge by the outward appearance. God judges by the heart. Say shepherds. 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 My people. The ones that are left in the fields. The ones that are left on the bench because their parents can't write as big a checks as the jokers that aren't quite as good as, as them. The ones that you tell your kids, you don't need to marry the shepherds for you. They'll be broke the whole life. Oh, but, but we don't tell them that you may have a lot of money, but you got a man who don't even pay your attention and you're his trophy. We tell them you don't want to be poor. Man, I'm going to tell you one thing. I, 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 I know what a home is because I know what I get to go home to. I don't care how there's been some homes I get. Some things I grew up in, I'm going to tell you all the money in the world and it still ain't a home and it's broken. Thank you. 
she was a woman of slave, of heart, without authority. She was Abraham's sidekick. For real. I don't preach PG because the Bible's not PG. Crap's about to get real because Christmas is next week. She was property, not even considered a person. See, Jesus had some jacked up family. Matter of fact, the man we call the father of faith, Abraham, he was very jacked up. And in history, I'm not saying this to beat down Abraham, I'm saying this to encourage you because you got some stuff too. You don't like you like everybody else's. I love to talk about everybody else's. I'm a little more comfortable than having fans on my mind. I'm just kidding. I still don't like See, yeah, you know, you guys got some messed up things. This is, this is Jesus' family, by the way. He says, 
Jesus says it was a bad decision or not. You got to take it with your side with that sucker. I'm going to give you what you, I'm going to give you what you deserve. I can't. But Abraham didn't lie. Abraham got it back. So you understand? It stops there. <laughs> like, like I told Angie, I was like, this is what I want, but you got to decide if you're okay with that. And if I'm wrong, you got to trust my judgment. Like, you're wrong. story too, because every part of, there's parts of our lives we just feel like we all need to bend over and take it. It may not be sex and getting pregnant, it may be the job, the family, you try so hard to grow and get, and you just, you feel like nobody sees you, nobody appreciates you, you just feel like nobody values you. You can be married and have freedom in America and feel like property and feel like nobody really sees you for who you are and what you got. See, Hagar had to bend over and she took it because she had no other choice. And there's times in our life where we are so broken and desperate that we beat ourselves up for moments that if you really look at it for what it was, this is what And she got pregnant. She got pregnant. And Sarah sabotaged, like we do when we get kind of low and get pissed off and get angry and project. She sabotaged. And so she started seeing Hagar become a baby preacher. She started building resentment. And the Bible says, teaches that she treated Hagar so harshly. It was Sarah's idea. Abraham even says it. This wasn't my idea. Started blaming Abraham. And she treated her so harshly that she ran away and didn't get it. She didn't run. Somebody doesn't want to do There is no, there is no factory or whatever, lyric or whatever you call it now. I'm getting irrelevant by the day. Everything's changed. I got my own truck as of right now, so I can't even mess up with it. Call it she runs the world and she's going to die. And here's the thing about that things would have been a lot less messy for Abraham and Sarah if she went back. Tension and trauma in the Middle East, if you know anything about this story. The things that have happened this year in, the, in Israel would be a lot less traumatic than the tension if she went back, died thousands of years ago. But the Bible says the angel of the Lord found her. Hear me, because most of you probably don't know this part of the story, what's really happening. The Bible says the angel of the Lord found her. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, this is Jesus. Okay? This is Jesus before he became a man. We know this because it translates in Hebrew. Every time you see the angel of the Lord, he makes a lot of cameo appearances in the Old Testament. Okay? We know this because in Hebrew it says, I'm going to teach today, we're going to preach. Is that okay? I'll eventually get loud, I promise. That's how I work. The angel of the Lord in Hebrew uh, translates angel of Yahweh. Angels didn't get called Yahweh or Yahweh. Yahweh was a 
one of the most sacred words in the Hebrew language. Uh, this is the pre-incarnate. This is Jesus before he became flesh and was re- revealed to us as man. The Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were in the fiery furnace and everything, and they burned Nebuchadnezzar, went into worship, all that stuff, and, and he says, hey, there was three people in the fire, now there's four. You remember that awesome story in the same Sunday school? Remember that four things there was that was right there laying, that things of the world and whatnot, Egypt? That was Jesus. Because he didn't just become a man with his life. He always was. And so the Bible says God, not an angel, when you look at it what it is, Jesus found Hagar because she mattered. Regardless of the she mattered. He found her, and watch this, the Bible is beautiful if you'll begin to read it for what it is. He found her by a spring, a well. Just like in John chapter 4, Jesus found a Samaritan woman by a well that also was struggling with life and men and felt like invaluable and overlooked, which is why she had been married five times and now was on her sixth heartbreak. He found her in a well. Don't miss this. We are all starving. No other way for you to see. Go back. And I want you to know you're going to have your son. And it says that he's going to raise his fist at the nations. Any son, you, me, we're born into that, we're going to be destined for anger and rejection and bitterness. And the tension in the Middle East is directly connected. It started that story with Ishmael. But Hagar matters. God said, you're going to have that son. And he's going to be angry because he's going to be born. Feeling like he's going to fail in the story of how he was conceived. He said, I want you to name your son Ishmael, which in Hebrew means God hears. And then the Bible says something even more beautiful. Please don't miss this. It says, thereafter, Hagar began to refer to the Lord by another name. That's not the Lord. The God who sees. The God who sees. Please don't miss this. The mothers, all my angry church people right now, the mothers of the Arab nation, the matriarch of the Arab nation, named her son, who is the father, of the Arab nation, God hears. And then named our God, her God, God sees. And that same God found her, could have let her die and made things a lot less complicated. But she said, Today I have seen the God. more than a piece of meat and property that just has to bend for my life. I'm more than a mother of a bitter child because all mothers, when you watch your kids go through pain, I've talked to some of you about it today, you feel guilty and you struggle even if it's not your fault. 
and she got to sit. And God said, I am more in a son than a mother of this age of a hurting son or daughter, an addict. I am more than a, than a side piece to a man that is just using me so that he doesn't have to go home. I am more. And the story of Christmas is that you are more than your annual salary. You are more than what you've been through. You are more than what you've done. You are more than what's been done to you. You are more than what the culture says you are, will be, can't be. You are more than whatever you have settled for. God sees you and God hears you. That's not just true for Hathaway. That's true for you.
anything else for that matter. If you don't have any money for a large fry, go to Bethlehem and go to Jesus. When you've got no money, when you've got no mental strength left, when you've got no tears left to cry because you were just numb, you used to love so deeply, you used to have been tender, you used to be hopeful, but now you're just numb. You're sitting in your chair right now looking at everything and everybody that's not right, that's not sincere. Go to Bethlehem. When you were guilt-ridden, whether you're projecting guilt or you're beating yourself up with your guilt and shame, and you feel like nobody cares and everybody is making you feel guilty and like they don't care, go to Bethlehem. Go to Jesus. They went to Jesus. They went to Jesus without even hesitating. And they saw
We hope today's message spoke to you. If you want to know more about Catalyst, you can go to IamCatalyst.net. And we'd love to have you in the room one Sunday. God is for you and so are we. We'll see you next time.